You are listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast Series. We pray you experience the deep life and wide love that God has for you today. King Herod heard of all this, and by this time, the name of Jesus was on everyone's lips, and he said, This has to be John the Baptizer, come back from the dead. That's why he's able to work miracles. Another said, No. Is Elijah. Another said, he is a prophet, and just like one of the old-time prophets. But Herod wouldn't budge. It's John, true enough. I cut off his head, and now he's back, alive. Herod was one who had ordered the arrest of John, put him in chains, and sent him to prison at the nagging of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. And for John had provoked Herod by naming his relationship with Herodias adultery. And Herodias, smoldering with hate, wanted to kill him, but didn't dare because Herod was in awe of John. And convinced that he was a holy man, he gave him special treatment. And whenever he listened to him, he was miserable with guilt. And yet he couldn't stay away. And something in John kept pulling him back. But a pontish day arrived when Herod threw a birthday party, inviting all the brass and blue lutes bloods in Galilee. And Herodias' daughter entered the banquet hall and danced for the guest. And she dazzled Herod and the guest. And the king said to the girl, Ask me anything, and I'll give you anything you want. And carry away, he kept on. I swear, I'll split my kingdom with you, if you say so. And she went back to her mother and said, What should I ask for? Ask for the head of John the baptizer. Excited, she ran back to the king and said, I want the head of John the baptizer served up on a platter. And I want it now. That sobered the king up fast. But unwilling to lose face with his guest, he caved in and let her have her wish. And the king sent the executioner off to the prison with orders to bring back John's head. He went, cut off John's head, brought it back on a platter, and presented it to the girl, who gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard about this, they came and got the body and gave it a decent burial. The word of the Lord. As we begin, I just thought I would first give you a quick update on community ministries. Uh, this last week, um, we had some guests coming out to our unit on our site and presented to us a donation on behalf of the Order of St. John's uh, Jerusalem. Hospital of Nights. And uh, it's quite interesting because uh, I was thinking, hmm, uh, we have this text coming up this coming Sunday and, uh, and the Order of St. John's people uh, come and, and gave us a donation. Uh, and their patron saints is none other than this John the Baptizer. So, so that was like, oh, okay, it's all kind of coming together once again. So, um, yeah, I just thought I would let you know if that is the case. And, and we use that uh, for food security, uh, providing with neighbors of those who are in need of food during this vulnerable time. Now, anyhow, uh, let us uh, come to this text together to look at 
yeah, what's going on? Uh, it's, it's quite a story that is involved here. And I want to start off by giving you a bit of background related to this person that is John in the passage. John is someone who was preparing the way for Jesus the King. Uh, we read it back in Mark 1. This is a some time ago now, but when we started this series, King and Kingdom, it was John the Baptizer who announced someone is coming, and that someone was Jesus. He was the Kickstarter. And now we look at it here. He is now put in prison and suffered a gruesome death at the hands of this King Herod. Now, I do want to say that this is what Mark is doing. In this particular passage, he really contrasted the two persons, both John and also this Herod. So maybe your question then is, who is this, this King Herod? If you look further into the Bible, uh, the rest of it, you may recognize there's a bunch of Herods running around. And you're like, wait, 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 who is who? And, and how, how do we make all the sense of um, these various people? So maybe I'll just give you a, a quick overview of who he is as well. So I just told you who John is, now about this Herod that we are looking at. Now, it started when there was someone called Herod the Great, and he was the one who went after Jesus when he was a baby. So this is not the one that is in our passage today. Uh, he uh, lived out his uh, age and, and he passed on and he divided his own kingdom into various portions for his sons to inherit. In fact, it's quite funny. Today in our passage, we talk about a king, but technically his official title in the first century Roman Empire is actually a tetra, which means one fourth of a kingdom. So technically he's not even a king. And then later on, he say, I will split the kingdom with you, my daughter, uh, or daughter, so-called. And he technically doesn't even own half of a kingdom. You only own one-fourth, and he's making a promise to her that I'll give you the half. So it's actually quite ironic. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, who being a historian, captured that for us so that we know that. But in Mark, he, uh, he, he, he just stick with the title king. So anywho, uh, we are looking at one of the sons of the Herod the Great, and, and one that has um, engaged in some pretty serious um, concerning moral and actions here. Now, I do want to say uh, the story didn't end very well. Uh, he actually ended up um, being exiled by the Roman Empire in the sense that he is not deemed to be fit as king or even a tetra. So, so that's some consolation for our story today. Now I gave you a bit of the cast. Uh, you, you already read of the rest. Um, I do want to set us in the right context for where we are in the Gospels. You see, if you just look at this in isolation, you will feel, oh, this is, this is a weird story and, and doesn't end well um, for John. It is true. Uh, but what then is the purpose of why Mark put it in here? Well, to do so, to understand this, you look before and to a degree after 
this story. What you will find out is actually this story is an interlude about proclamation. Why? Because in the previous uh, bit, uh, we, we look at this in previous weeks, Jesus was just sending out his disciple to proclaim the message of the kingdom of God coming. And the next bit, uh, this is a spoiler for future week, is they come back and they reported awesome things that they have witnessed as they go out and proclaim and do wonderful, miraculous things, um, such as healing, deliverance, so on and so forth. So in between, we have this interlude, and it's about the cost, the challenge of proclaiming. Now, in light of all this, I want to say this is our main point today. Our main point is the cost of proclaiming Christ is challenging and we need courage to do that. The cost of proclaiming Christ is challenging and we need courage to do that. I would break it down into three questions. Um, a lot of C's today. So, um, let's start off with the first C, which is what's the content of proclamation? And the answer of that is Christ. The second question is what is it that makes it so challenging to proclaim? And it is because of the cost. And then lastly, is what then is the character for us so that we may? dive into this call to proclaim? And the answer is courage. So a lot of C's going on today. Um, let's dive in. The first point for us is what is that content for proclamation? And I say it is Christ. And, and here it is. If you look at this passage, yes, as much as it's about John, it's about the Herod, but who is the person that is on everybody's lips? Who is the person generating all the bus and being talked about? It is Christ. It is Jesus Christ. Uh, people ask uh, who this Jesus is. Um, they have various theories. Herod being quite paranoid because he just murdered a guy uh, not too long ago. Well, he said, is John the baptizer? Well, wrong. Uh, and some folks say, oh, he is the prophet Elijah. Um, now, this is another spoiler, I guess, but essentially later on in the Gospel of Mark, we will find out John actually functioned as the role of the prophet Elijah. Um, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Uh, and then some people say, oh, maybe he's just one of the other prophets. And well, in some sense, yes, Jesus actually functioned like a prophet. In fact, in previous week, we talk about how he is a prophet. And, and when he went to his hometown, nobody welcomed a prophet that originated from their own hometown. But Jesus was more. Like our Muslim friends may tell us, oh, Jesus is, yeah, one of these prophets. And, and maybe some of the other faith tradition would say similar things. But Jesus, as the content of our proclamation, is a lot more than just that. You see, in our proclamation, we need to 
come back to who Jesus is and what does he mean to our lives and to call people in response to who he is, what he has done, and what he demands of our lives. It is very easy, and, and I'm saying with maybe the Salvation Army hat on, is we can sometimes be tempted to respond to various things that are great. It could be family values. It could be being uh, very helpful and charitable in providing social services. But at the end of the day, and don't get me wrong, those things are awesome and, and let, us, let us not throw that away. But at the end of the day, the contents of our proclamation in Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done, and our response. And this is a quick one line to capture what it is. Jesus, the Son of God, has died for you and the whole world and that you can come to him and receive the gift of life. That is the content of our proclamation. Now, for some of us, yes, is to come back to that and not lose sight of that. But for some of us, this content may mean something else. This content may mean is to come to realize and to really respond and say, yes, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, and you have died for the sins of the world, including mine. So such is the content of our proclamation, Christ. I think I've uh, said a lot. Let us move on to the next one, and that is, what is the cost, or what is the challenge, which is the high cost of proclamation? In some sense, it's quite obvious. If you look at this, it costs John his life. The guy literally was proclaiming about Jesus, preparing a way for him. And then guess what? He got beheaded. Now, that being said, he is also saying some other things. Uh, because in response to this coming king and kingdom, that is Jesus, there is a life that John is calling people to. And this is a life of repentance, and that is to stop doing what is wrong and turn to what is right, to act correctly in accordance to what the kingdom is demanding in terms of uh, its, its order, and also to live in a new world order such that one's life matches up the moral and the ethics of the kingdom. And some of the persons that John in this process criticized was the relationship between Herod and his questionable wife. And that is not music to Herod's ears. And that literally become the cost and the cost of his death. Now, in our world today, it is an environment where the content of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done, and how we need to respond to him. This message is not something that is music to ears of people sometimes, especially um, when it is in a hyper-secularized setting uh, or uh, sometimes in, um, in a setting where other types of uh, 
religion might be the, the norm and the majority. That too is a cost to our proclamation. Now, I'm not saying that we should go gun blazing and, and try to smack people with the Bible or the message of Jesus. I don't think that's the right way to do it. But do know that as we proclaim the content, we will face rejection. We will face others who may see us as strange, see us as weird, or see us as intolerant. And that is a cause that we have to respond to. Another cause that might be involved here is the cause of repenting. As you come to the passage, you see John was calling Herod to repent from his behavior. And in this case, it would involve ending the relationship with this uh, new wife that he had. But what did Herod do? Well, Herod did not repent. Herod did not turn around. He, in fact, had many chances. He liked to listen to John for whatever reason. But all he did was listening. All he did was get a guy in, hear maybe a sermon of some sort, and then not change his behavior. And, of course, later he killed him too. And then ended up being paranoid and freaked out and thought, oh, there's a new guy running around doing miraculous things. It's the guy I killed. It's bad. He's coming after me. Or something like that. Well, and as you see, what I shared with you as a historical background earlier is by not repenting from this relationship that is questionable, he eventually lost his right to rule because of the government recognizing, yeah, you are just causing some chaos and you are going against the very thing that we want you to, to bring for our kingdom, our, our empire. So the cost of not repenting eventually shall catch up. But it, there is a cost to repent today. So is it worth it? I think it is. And lastly, I, I do want to say the cost of proclamation is also one related to finances as well. I know this is not part of this text, but I was reading uh, further down in Mark again. I'm sorry, a lot of spoilers. But literally, I was reading it yesterday. And so I thought, okay, I, I should bring it up as well. There is the young rich ruler that is in the message of the Bible. And sometimes Jesus does demand a very, very high cost to follow his call and to proclaim the content that is himself. So I just want to give you that challenge. It, it is very challenging. It is very high cost. But is it worth it? I would say so. Just think about you know, uh, maybe some scenarios. If you know of someone who is in the midst of some form of addictions, maybe it's substances, maybe it's tobacco or alcohol, you know, uh, using it in such a way that is uh, harming them. Would you, out of love of this person, had this hard conversation with this person? I would think so. Is it going to be challenging? Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, but is it worth it? Yes. It doesn't mean you just do it in a very non-loving way. I think there's good ways of doing it. 
But at the same time, it is worth it. It is worth the challenge. It is worth the cost. Or maybe you have a tough situation, maybe at work, or maybe doing a screw project, and then someone's not pulling the weight, that kind of thing, or just there is conflict. It is far better to deal with this by having a difficult conversation than rather eventually that it blew up. The cost of not doing it eventually rises up. So it is worth it. Now, that being said, let's transition to our last C, and that is, what then is the carrot that we need? And I would say it is courage. But that being said, uh, because it's February, uh, it's also Brave Month, so I would say it's bravery that we need also. What is this about? We come back to John the Baptizer, who is being very courageous in proclaiming Jesus coming, and also what is the right way of living in the kingdom. How did he do it? Can I just say, oh, be like John and don't be like Herod? Well, that would be, I think, the easy way to just list out the story here or the challenge of the week. But I think there's actually more that goes on. Because I think at the end of the day, it is. It is the courage that comes from God that allowed John to do what he do. And it is the same courage that has enabled John that will allow us to respond to the call to do something that has a very, very challenging cost, that is proclaiming Christ. As you see in the message here, Herod was freaking out and he say, who is this guy? Well, it is John the Baptist raised from the dead. And he didn't just say it one, he, he said it twice. Raised from the dead. I think that too is quite central to what our content is about. And the implication of that is going to allow us to have that courage, courageous character to do what we need to do. What do I mean by that? Because you see, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died for our sins, the sin of the whole world, and that we may have new life in him. What I mean by that is, yes, we will also be raised from the dead. The death, because of Jesus, is not going to be our final destiny. That death that has come upon John the Baptist and removed his head is not going to be the permanent state of this whole story. That what Herod is freaking out of while not true, but will come true, because Jesus will one day raise him too from the dead. And that applies to us too. Whatever the cost or consequences it might be because of our proclamation, that Jesus will right the wrongs and bring ultimate justice. And that in eternity, we are going to be rewarded according to the call that we responded to. So friends, I, I have said many things. Um, content, Christ, challenge, cause, character, courage. I do want to bring us back to call and commitment. 
as you can see, uh, we have many guests here today, and and we talk about various things. We talk about a call to be a person, a call to be a follower of Jesus, a call to proclaim, a call to live sacrificially for the sake of Christ Jesus. And lastly, here as a church, we too have a call, a call to commit towards, yes, uh, to becoming a soldier for Christ Jesus, that sacrificially we suffer for his sake in what we do. And that may mean for some of you is to dive a bit deeper to understand what it might be like to, to be a soldier. Uh, maybe I'm just plugging here because I just started my own soldier's class. So, so that's number one. Uh, but also, there is the whole aspect of becoming candidate of uh, the Salvation Army. And this is something that um, maybe later on we can talk a bit more about because I know very little myself. Now, and lastly, too, is to support them. Yes, in our prayers, in our giving, in our life, in our relationship. To offer them friendship such that these friends who have committed themselves to the cause of proclaiming Jesus Christ can be well supported. And in such a way, then, the world may know Jesus is the King. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come and pray. We thank you for John and his witness. That as a result of what he did, we too can have a glimpse of what it might mean to have your courage in us to respond to the challenge of proclaiming Christ Jesus. Speak to us, each one, that we may know what role we play in response to the call to commit. And help us to courageously do so. And specifically, I also pray for those who may want to repent today. To turn away from sin and to God. Whether it is the very first time. Or maybe at the first time. For my last little while. God for them I specifically pray. That you grant them grace and mercy. Just as you would to anyone to turn to you. God. Receive us and fill us with the Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast. For more messages and contact us, please head to our website, byvr.life.